Hello, Trevia. We need to talk about Movies Podcast. And today, we need to talk about the new Bond film, No Time to Die. Wow, I've got to talk about it. I went to watch it yesterday. Now, there will be spoilers. So, if you haven't seen the film and you don't want to hear it, then don't listen. But please, if you do, go and watch the film. Come back and discuss this. I'm sure you'll want to hear what people say. Because I found it hard, having watched the film, right, I'm spoiling it from now, coming out afterwards and not being able to sort of say to anyone and having to wait for other people to see it before I could discuss it was a bit of a, a nightmare. But luckily my wife got, I got home and she's like, just tell me, I don't care, I'm not going to watch it. So the big revelation is that the title lies. There is time to die and James Bond dies at the end. They kill off James Bond. Never in a James Bond film have they killed off James Bond before. Yes, you start new with a different Bond, but it always feels like just a continuation of that character. Whereas this feels like a line in the sand. It feels like we've just killed off Daniel Craig's James Bond, so the next James Bond can be anyone. Is it going to lose what Bond sort of means? That means that any character can be Bond. They can completely recreate that character. Now, I'm not... I'm not the type of person that's bothered if there's a black Bond, you know, if Idris Elba was to play Bond. To me, that's not an issue at all. Um, I wouldn't want to see a woman Bond, a Jane Bond, you know, but they sort of hint that that could happen as well in this film because there is, throughout the whole film, there's a different 007. James Bond has sort of been retired for five years and there's the other 007 agent now is the woman who he worked beside. And she gives James Bond his number back at the end for the last scene. So, you know, they do mention throughout the film that it's just a number. So, yeah, anyone could be 007. But not anyone can be James Bond. And I think that by killing Daniel Craig, you know, because he has been my favourite Bond. He has been really good. Uh, but I think by killing him off, it's just sort of giving them chance to, in the future, ruin the franchise. To dissolve it, in a sense... I know they're not going to want to because people go to watch James Bond for James Bond. So it just seems strange to me that they, ha- they felt they had to do this. But as the film sets it out, all the way through watching the film, uh, they keep hinting at the On Her Majesty's Secret Service sort of theme. And if you've seen On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the, the, the single George Lazenby film, which a lot of people think it's the greatest, uh, I think it's still a bit cheesy and corny but it's the one where James Bond falls in love with Diana Rigg which is close to the books James Bond was a terrible sort of in the books he's real needy he falls in love with these women and he pines after them and he's not you know he is a ladies man but in the films he's more of a ladies man and he doesn't let love affect him whereas in the books and as in the the more recent films the Daniel Craig films He does let love affect him. So he's with the girl, I can't remember her name at the moment, and she sort of breaks his heart at the beginning. And all the way, every time you see her, they bring in the theme. Hans Zimmer does the score in this one. It's a great James Bond score, but he's basically having a lot of fun with previous uh, Bond motifs. Um, But yeah, every time you hear, or every time I heard, that you're on Her Majesty's Secret Service score and the... Louis Armstrong, we have all the time in the world that they play at the end of On Her Majesty's Secret Service. You know that tragedy is looming over these, this relationship. 
because at the end of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, James Bond gets married and then they gun her down and she dies in his arms. And that's the end of the film. So not your usual James Bond ending. So I thought, oh, are they going to kill this girl off? Is he going to finally get with her and then they'll kill her off? But then as the story goes on and you meet her daughter, as soon as I saw her daughter, I thought, oh, they're going to kill Bond off. They're going to make this really the final Bond in this franchise, in this Daniel Craig era, by killing off Bond. Because you can't have that daughter left as an orphan at the end of the film. That's, I can't see that happening, you know? And, and lo and behold, it proved correct by the end. I mean, but how is the film apart from that? Starts off really strong. There's some great action. It's a typical Bond. I'm not an action fan, as you all know. But there's something about Bond. I got a bit obsessed with James Bond. When Skyfall came out, I had a YouTube channel where I'd done film reviews. And I wanted to review Skyfall, but I didn't feel that I knew enough about James Bond to want to go and do it. So, or to have the right to do it. I thought the fans would just pick my uh, review apart. So I thought I'd leave it. I'll, uh, so I thought I'd go off, watch a few James Bond films, get the idea. I ended up watching the entire James Bond back catalogue. Then I got carried away and read all the books as I was watching them. So I was sort of comparing the books to the films and I really got inside James Bond. Who are Mrs. I really knew the character that Fleming was striving for. And I never felt that he was on the screen in the early days of Sean Connery, but they sort of lost it towards the end. And it wasn't until I felt Timothy Dalton turned up that Bond was anything like the James Bond Ian Fleming was writing about. And certainly I think that the Roger Moore Bond was the worst of the James Bonds. Uh, Followed shortly by uh, Pierce Brosnan, his Bond sort of went into quite a lampoonish bond towards the end of the series. They started off quite good. The first two were really good, uh, GoldenEye and what have you, but then it got it got really ridiculous towards the end and a bit camp and a bit, yeah, a bit rubbish. So it was a real to see Casino Royale turn up with Daniel Craig, who everyone was against when he first turned up because he was blonde, he didn't look right. But he actually stole the show, and the film was as close to Fleming's original book, Casino Royale, as you could like to get. And, you know, when they bought Q in, people don't know that in the books, just assume, if you haven't read them, that Q Branch, with all the gadgetry, is a staple of Bond, but it isn't actually in the books. Q Branch doesn't get a mention in the books. And in the books, you get that sense that... You know, James Bond is disillusioned by the bureaucracy of his job. And he's always sort of at loggerheads with him. More so than you see in the Connery films or the Roger Moore films. And that's another thing why the Timothy Dalton films are... They're my next favourite after the Daniel Craig. Because he goes rogue, especially in Licence to Kill. Trying to find the killers or the attempted murderers of his friend Felix Leiter. So then he he goes rogue, chases after them. Yeah, he can't get the support from M, and they sort of revoke his 
license so he just goes along on his own but back to no time to die they've sort of really gone to town with all the gadgets in this one it felt a lot more like an older bond and even the storyline seemed a bit more far-fetched with all these nanobots this compound that they release and it's a biological weapon that can zero in on specific targets but it gets into the wrong hands and then all of a sudden it's going to wipe out the whole world um but i like the idea of that that you know m was behind this weapon and now he's in the shit sort of thing but you don't see the consequences of that at the end you don't see him having to clear up the mess because we're too busy focusing on the fact that bond has died and just a little bit of Oh, let's remember Bond at the end. Not, right, you know, now I'm in deep shit because this weapon I started almost destroyed the world, got into the wrong hands. Plus, we've unauthorised the, you know, we had an unauthorised use of missiles and blew up this island, which was, we was already inside, like, foreign space, airspace with the Russians and the Chinese, I think, Japanese. Can't quite remember, but, you know, there's no consequences to that that you see. The film was a little bit cliche. There was more cliches in this film than there had been in many of the other Daniel Craig Bonds. Um, For example, with Felix Leiter, where he meets Felix, you know, and they've been sort of in and out of each other's lives throughout the whole James Bond series. Felix Leiter is his CIA counterpart, really, and they always help each other out. And in this one, Felix says, oh, don't you want to get... Come on, James, let's do this mission so we can get home to our families. And as soon as he says, let's get home to our families, you're like, oh, sir, he's going to die as well. Because <laughs> he's not mentioned his family in these films, you know. But as soon as someone wants to get home to their family, or they're missing their family, or they show a photo of their family, you know, in this type of film, they are pretty much doomed. So Remy Malek as the villain, it's gone back to the theatrics of the original Bonds with the scarred face and uh you know the big bold outrageous plots and the elaborate sets and sort of you know the evil underground layers so yeah Remy Malik is a bit reserved as the bad guy you know calculating cold uh you don't actually buy the fact that you know he looks about the same age as the leading girl who was a teenager when he saved her um, which we assume is back in the 90s because she had a Tamagotchi pet. So he doesn't look like he's that much older, to be fair. But we'll let that slide. But then the scientist bloke, the chap who played the scientist. I thought for ages it was the uh, BTK killer out of Mindhunter, the same actor, but I don't think it is. He looks like him. But, you know, they're trying the hardest to be woke in all these films. You know, Q now is gay and... There's the two black, you know, the black money penny, and then there's black 007 agent, the black female. So lots of females that he works with. There always has been, though, isn't there? But, you know, and then they got this lampoonish sort of slapstick bad guy who's just ridiculous. And he's got the same accent, you know, that same theatrical Russian accent. And it's just... It was very silly. His character was silly. And then Blofeld's character, you know, he's completely insane when they show him on the camera, but he knows exactly what he's doing. And then they meet up with Blofeld. Bond meets with Blofeld and talks with him. And they bring him through in this high-security P-51 
prison and he's in this pen that's sort of slowly moved and it's just like something you know it's like silence of the lambs it's very theatrical very very far-fetched it didn't have the same sort of appeal as say Mads Mikkelsen's character in Casino Royale much more down to earth you felt that he was vulnerable as well where you don't really get that from the villains in this film much more sort of over the top I think with this one you know it was originally going to have been penned by John Hodge and directed by Danny Boyle who made train spotting and I always think they're a good team it would have been quite interesting to see just what they did with this this plot but alas we uh, will never get to see that um but yeah i don't know what sort of went on between them they all fell out and what have you but i think it looks pretty much like daniel craig wanted to take over you know he's produced this one as well it's like he wanted a say in what bond was doing and perhaps wanted this bond mission to be a bit more fantastic like the older bonds with the gadgets with the the criminal in the lair uh, which seems a bit of a shame because they built up such a, an interesting bond and such a close bond to the original visions of ian fleming that it seems a shame that they've had to sort of revert slightly back to this fantastic one-man army because i mean that end scene is pretty appalling where he's just going through killing everyone and no one can get a shot in um it's like watching john rambo or something you know i sort of mentioned that i liked the the m plot it was good fun sort of seeing m squirm and i like that sort of you know the bureaucrats not being completely on the straight and narrow was interesting but the thing with M as well was another sort of sense that all these bonds can exist in the same universe because you've got M sat at one point in this corridor there's a portrait of Judy Dench on the wall his predecessor but then beside him there's a portrait of the original M the actor's name escapes me I've got no information here I'm out walking while I'm talking so it's sort of it's a nod to the older films again and yeah another nod that anyone can play James Bond which we know they can but I don't think it needs to sort of be established do you know what I mean it's not like Doctor Who where you have to make a big song and dance about changing the Bond every time so is the next one they're gonna give this man the title of James Bond you know it just seems a bit a bit naff to me that the name comes with the number or what have you okay so Bond did die in the film here but it wasn't the first time Bond has died. Uh, Ian Fleming killed Bond off in one of the books. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. But basically he'd been trying for ages to get the books made into films and it wasn't really biting and no one was, wasn't going anywhere. The books weren't as successful as he'd hoped. So he'd sort of had enough and he thought, I'm going to kill Bond off. And then shortly after killing Bond off in that book, there was an article in Time magazine, an interview with John F. Kennedy, and he said that one of his favourite books was one of the Bond books. I can't remember which one it was. <clears throat> so then, obviously, after that, Bond became quite a big deal. I think they, they got interest in making films, 
uh, people wanted more books. So Fleming had to go back to the drawing board and uh, write another book, Bring Bond Back to Life. Yeah, so then in the next book, he had to make out how he survived. I'm pretty sure that the, it's one of the women from Smirsh, because it wasn't called Spectre in the films either in the books. The uh, sort of the Russian counter agents were Smirsh. And I'm sure there was like a woman in Smirsh had a, a poison blade in her shoe or something and she kicked him with it. Something like that. But yeah, then in the next book, they sort of bring him back to life. And other than that, the only other time we see Bond killed was in the beginning of another Bond, one of the Bond films where Sean Connery gets strangled. But it turns out to be someone dressed as Bond. And that's how, I think it's the same film, Robert Shaw, with the train. Um, from Russia with Love, yeah. And I think at the beginning of that, they, they murder Sean Connery. But then it turns out to be just someone disguised as him. There you go. Little facts. But all being said, the film... You know, I don't like to give films ratings. And, I mean, there have been some horrendous Bond films. Uh, as I said, Craig... Daniel Craig... I was going to call him Craig David. Daniel Craig has been the best Bond by a long shot. Um, and he brings a lot of emotional depth to him. Perhaps in this film there was a bit too over-the-top of sentimentality. But, you know, as I said before... The bond in the book was very much like that, you know. He'd end each book, he'd end getting with a woman, and in the f- next book, that woman's fucked him off at some point, and he's pining over her, you know. He was real needy and he was real mopey, and you know, he was, although he was a, sort of a, a dangerous character, you know, ruthless, he was also very sensitive and he had his heart easily broken or his heart on his sleeve i guess you know the whole vespa story in these daniel craig bonds uh is straight out of the books you know exactly how the vespa story unfolds in the original book is exactly how it unfolds in casino royale the movie but yeah it's a shame to see daniel craig go but you know good job to sort of have enough sense to sort of call it a day before he gets to sort of Roger, Roger Moore's geriatric age, you know, where he just looks ridiculous running around with this stupid brown toupee on his head, on his old wrinkly prune head. Um, I really didn't like the Roger Moore films. <laughs> I don't know if you could tell. Uh, they just became... It was like the comedy Bond. It was just ridiculous. Um, and I think, yeah, they tried to bring Bond back to sort of the books with Timothy Dalton, and it, audiences were used to the comedy Bond, and Timothy Dalton was a long time before, you know, they were ready, audiences were ready for that. Whereas, I, yeah, it's a real shame when I look back, I still I still love those films. He is quite ruthless, especially like um, Licence to Kill. He's barely kills anyone in the film, but he he's in there infiltrating the gang, um... It's like the Cuban drug barons, isn't it, in that one? And he's basically turning them all against each other so that one by one they all kill each other off. And that's how he gets to them. And I think it's a really clever plot. It's a really great film. And, yeah, so underrated. So ahead of its time. But anyway, we're not talking about that. I've got back onto that. So, yeah, the Bond films, I did. You know, it was nice. It was good to watch it in the cinema. But it didn't have the shocking ending, you know, Bond dying, didn't have the desired effect that I reckon the producers would have wanted because we all know they're never going to stop making Bond films not while they're such a massive cash cow 
So it just creates questions. Killing Bond off is just going to create questions that we hope that they don't feel they need to answer in the follow-up Bond film, you know? And when the film come up, I looked around the audience. When the, the, the lights come up in the cinema, I looked around the audience. No one looked shocked. Everyone just looked confused, disappointed. There's a lot of people going, shaking their heads to each other. <laughs> yeah, we don't need Bond to die. We didn't need that ending. A bit of a shame. But anyway, that was my Bond ramble. Well, actually, took place while I was rambling. I don't know if you noticed the sound of my feet humping away in the background. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a walk, but thought I'd talk about it. Anyway, thanks ever so much for listening, and I'll see you all again soon. Cheers! Cheers!